0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for your worship tonight. My goodness. I don't have any idea what you went through, but I just suspect not everybody had a good day but you just pressed through and you made it to the house of God and you didn't come in with a sad countenance and a bad attitude, but you just came in and lifted your hands and your voices and we're blending together tonight and we're just magnifying the Lord. We're continuing with our study in the book of Colossians and uh, I want us to consider this evening as we move to chapter 3 and uh, we're going to begin with verse number 1 and we'll just take our time here and see how far we get this evening. But we live in a world um, that is just incredibly earthly-minded. If we ever have seen the hour of people being lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, it is certainly the day in which we live. I I should have asked Brother Cadell uh, to help me with this before service and refresh my mind, but just past weekend, uh, the job he has driving a tour bus, he was responsible for uh, being in in, uh, Miami. This week for the Super Bowl this past weekend and currying people around and and uh, from one place to the other, but he was mentioning to me how much the average hotel prices were and and things of that nature and all the things that people went through uh, just to be there and be a part of that and and uh, you know I'm not here to bash that I'm just using that as an example that when you see the great links that people will go to to the warm their hands and their and their hearts, so to speak, over just pleasure. Um, we were uh, speaking with a Brother and Sister McGuire uh, on Monday, I think it was, and they were talking about uh, Disney during the Christmas season. They live in Central Florida, and, and uh, so they were familiar to several things that were going on, and, and um, there's a, a new rye that opened, and, and people uh, were getting out the gate uh They were getting to the gate at five o'clock in the morning, and they were waiting for hours in their vehicle and just to get in what they call or refer to as a queue. I don't know anything that I'm talking about here; I'm just spreading rumors right now <laughs> but uh and they after they went all through all they just got through to get into the gate that many of them waited in line after they got there. They physically waited in a line four hours just to ride the ride. And uh, they were having some technical difficulties and some people that got there and had an appointment, early morning appointment to be a part of that ride didn't even get to ride until like five o'clock in the afternoon. And they're getting off high and each other. We got to ride the ride. I ask myself how many people would get to church at five. And if we say we just can't get the doors open, we're just having troubles here, and can't get the lights on, I wonder how many people would still be in the parking lot at 5 o'clock that afternoon. Amen. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about in general. How many churches in America have that problem? Not many. Not many. I will promise you that. And so uh, we are very earthly-minded, very earthly-minded. I am convicted often uh, by the quote that Brother Jerry Dean said many years ago. I have quoted it often behind this desk. He said, uh, we say this world is not our home, but we sure drive our tent stakes pretty deep in the ground. We sure drive our tent stakes pretty deep in the ground. Most of the time, our attention is centered around on things around us and that should not be surprising in many respects, and so I want to try to balance everything I've said with this. After all, we are human, and we do live in this world, and we are affected by worldly things and fleshly and carnal things. We live on a planet, and this planet has a... We mark things with time. We mark things with um, longitude and latitude, so we not only do we mark time in days and weeks and years and and things of that nature but we also mark certain places and uh, we're we're physical beings and we're in a physical world and and the benefit of that is that we all knew where to go tonight and what time to be here <laughs> and so there's a benefit there's a benefit to that i'm not just being unkind it's very natural for us to think about certain worldly and carnal things. and um, So when I say that, I don't mean sinful things. But it's very natural for us to think about our jobs, our careers. We think about things like possessions and our finance and health. And, and uh, we think about and consider often people that are important to us. And that list could go on and on. We live within the dimensions of time and space. We know that according to the word of God, it is appointed unto a man wants to die. And so not to sound morbid or, or crass, but we all understand that we have that appointment. We don't know when or where, but we have that appointment. The scripture does talk about 70 years, and if by reason of strength there be 80, but we all understand that that is an average, and, and I have stood behind this very desk, and I have preached the funerals of Uh, people that have lived for decades, and I have preached the funerals for children who have lived hours. And so we live within the dimensions of time and space, and so we must function in this natural world. Someone wrote a song many years ago that talked about people that were so heavenly-minded, they were no earthly good. And so we live in a natural world. We are limited by certain things, laws of this world, and we're bound by physical principles that define the world that we live in. But I believe that there is, a, there is a certain sense in which we can become trapped within this dimension. And if we're not careful, even as born-again children of God, we can lose our ability to see beyond the natural and into the supernatural because we are just so bound by time and space and we look at things if, you know, just in the sense of practicality, and if there is no faith mixed into that, then we become trapped by just what we think we could do with our own ability, our own hands, and things of that nature. And make no mistake about it, I believe that as children of God and certainly as Holy Ghost-filled individuals, that we have the ability, the God-given ability, to be able to see into the supernatural realm, I think there is perhaps one of the greatest, I'll just say one of the greatest illustrations of this, is found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. This was a story line that plays out between Elisha and his servant. His servant was bound by the dimensions of time and space and circumstance. And we have all been there. And so as the scripture begins to unfold and In this sixth chapter, the Bible talks about this servant that arose early in the morning and when he walked outside, he he noticed in a moment of time that he was surrounded or that they were surrounded by enemies everywhere. And so he goes back to Elisha, the servant, and all he could see and all he could point out was the forces that the enemy had sent out. Amen. Now... Understanding well that when Elisha steps onto the brink of that exact scene, Elisha saw those forces as well. He could see all the horsemen. He could see all the swords, all the shields. I want to make that clear. But he saw not just the natural, but he saw the supernatural. Amen. And he prayed. The Bible says that this man of God, Elisha, prayed that the Lord would help his servant Give him eyes to see the supernatural, not just the situation, but give him the ability to see what you're really doing here in this dimension. And this is what the Bible says, that Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Understanding well that those horses and chariots were there, whether he was able to see it or not, they were there, and tonight, if we are not careful, we can get so locked into the world and the circumstances of which we are currently facing, and I want to be inclusive in that and say that which we are currently facing and just say, you know, this is all we can see, but I wonder what would happen tonight. If I could pray a prayer or if you could pray a prayer and say, Lord, just help us to see and open our eyes and see what you're doing on the hills around about us. Help us tonight, God, to see with spiritual eyes, not just see who is in this building or what is in this building or what is taking place in this building, amen. But I wonder what we would be able to see if the Lord would just give us a glimpse into that supernatural world, not in the sweet by and by, not tomorrow afternoon, but what would happen if the Lord allowed us to see that here and now. Praise God. There is a spiritual reality that many people are completely blind to But I want to see that reality. I want to be able to have an assurance of the power and the presence of God. You can read it as you would like. Define it as you would like. But the Bible says in Psalms 91 that he has given his angels charge over us concerning us lest we dash our foot against a stone. They would be there to bear us up and to lift us up. I will tell you today that I interpret that literally, that I believe that you and I have an angel that God has commissioned to our side. Amen, this is not an angel that might be a little bit late if he gets caught in rush hour traffic should we dial 911. But I'm talking about an angel that's present, standing with me here tonight and seated with you right where you are tonight lest we dash our foot against a stone. Amen. I want to be more aware of what God is really doing in that invisible and in that unseen realm of the Spirit. And like Elisha's servant, I need to have my eyes open that I can see. And that's a real challenge for us today. Even though we have access to that supernatural realm, we just generally use our natural eyes. And because we generally use and more commonly use our natural eyes We get bound by natural things. This is what it is. And the doctors report, so to speak, that is the end of the story. That is the end all, tell all, but not always. Amen, this is this is what we receive today in the mail and that is the defining moment of our life but it may not be the defining moment of our life at all. Amen, this may be a bump in the road. This may be a blip on the radar. This may be something we testify of later down the road. Amen, because God has got a heavenly host that is working and dealing and doing something in our life. Last. Wednesday night, I talk about the abundant resource that we have that is available to us. I talked about in my closing remarks about the well, the water, and the water that is below the surface. Amen, it's just how much do you want? Amen, do you need this many gallons per minute? Do you need this many gallons per minute? Do you need twice that many gallons per minute? That's all you need to do is tell me what motor what pump what size what horsepower to drop in the pipe or do we need to drill a bigger casing we'll put the same casing into the same resource and it'll even pump more and supply more the ant- the question is not is there enough the question is what are we willing to do to get it amen and so so many times we will live their entire lives without really ever understanding who they are in the lord and, and what provision god has made for them and so in our text, the Apostle Paul is reminding us of who we are in Christ and of how important it is that we see ourselves from that perspective. He's showing us how that we live our life on earth really depends on the heavenly perspective. It's how we view ourselves, how we see ourselves. And so as we look at it together, I want to ask God to help, the, help us to open our eyes to just see who we are in Him I want to read in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, the Bible says, But if ye, then being reasoned with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. You know, I understand that, and God understands that, that we have to have a home and we have to have a job and we need a vehicle and we need clothes and we need food. But that's not all there is. All of those things are going to fade. <clears throat> the deed of the property that you live on that bears your name, if time stands, will one day bear someone else's name. And the, and the title of your car that is now in your name, if time stands, it will one day be in someone else's name. Amen. And so the home that you live in the home that you have raised your children in. If time stands, someone else will call that home. I'm not trying to shock us tonight, but I'm trying to awaken us to realize that it's all just a temporary thing. We're just passing through this world. It's what the Bible talks about, those things of, that are wood, hay, and stubble, and it can all be devoured. It can all be blown away, washed away, burned to the ground, incinerated in a moment of time. Amen. So we don't really often live to our full potential because we don't really know who we are. Our understanding, I believe, must come from the Bible. In other words, who we are in God says who we are. It is what God says in His Word. His Word is the determinant factor. It's not about our feelings or not what somebody else thinks or says of us. It's about what God says. And so the beginning point of our understanding of this identity should be the infallible Word of God. I'm going to stand on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The Word of God, it tells us the truth about many things, but it also tells us the truth about us. And we learn from the Bible that we have a new identity in Him. And so what that exactly means is that He died for our sins and we were raised together with Him. Paul talks about this to the in church. So how does that relate to us today? How did we exactly die and how were we raised? According to the scripture when Christ died on the cross for our sins we died there with him in a spiritual sense. Jesus Christ died as our substitute. He died in our place in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. And his death on the cross set us free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. Not just the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. And then when he arose from the dead, we arose in a spiritual sense. Because of his resurrection, we have been raised to a new life in the spirit. This is what the Bible calls being born again. And we must be born again. We have... Been born again from above by the power of the Spirit. Not anything that just the arm of the church could do or provide, but it is the power of God that provides that sense. And this is where we get the ability to live an abundant life. And this is where we get the ability to live in this spiritual realm. According to our text, we dwell spiritually with Christ in a heavenly realm. The old man has been put to death, and the new man, new man has been made alive in Christ Jesus. This is not the, end, the direct end result of the church. We can't, born, we can't supply life for someone to be born again, but the church is a vehicle through which people can be born again. Amen. We are now a new creation or a new creature in Him. And we are identified with Him and He in us. And so as Christians, we should never ever see ourselves apart from Him. But we are one. We are one. According to Colossians 3 and 3, Paul said we are hidden with Him. Amen. We are bound in Him. We are thoroughly identified with Him. One. At one. At one with Him. And and He dwells in us. We're not just simply earth dwellers, if I may use that terminology, but we have access to a heavenly kingdom as well. And we see that tonight on display in this very house. All day long you've been earth dwellers. (laughs) And uh, so as earth dwellers, we've been doing what the Lord or we've been doing rather what life has called upon us to do. And so we could go through one by one, mention everybody's vocation here as an earth dweller, this is what you did today. But when we came into this building tonight and we began to worship the Lord and magnify Him, what we were feeling and what we are feeling is not the end result of just an emotional experience that some would like to deduce it all down to, that we're just an emotional creature and, that The music and the singing just appealed to our emotions and this was just a demonstration of humanity. No, no, no. Amen. I believe that we were entertaining angels unaware. Amen. We were just entertaining the spirit of the Lord and the anointing of his of his spirit began to flow in this building. And as we began to pray for the sick a moment ago in this service, we were walking in absolute obedience to his word. Amen. And, and, and Brother Williams addressed that. Amen. How that if you are sick, call for the elders of the church and they're gonna anoint you with oil. They're gonna lay hands on you. Amen. We're gonna pray a prayer of faith and God is gonna do something. that. that. That wasn't a ritual we were doing a moment ago, but we stepped out of the natural and into the supernatural amen, the Bible talks about in Acts how that a piece of garment from the apostle Paul was cut and that cloth was a point of contact, amen, brother and sister Cadell walked down here a moment ago with a specific need in their life and in their family and they asked for a prayer cloth, amen, and so we got a prayer cloth that we have here and provide for that very reason and we stood together, amen, and the Bible says where any two or three agree together as touching any one thing, amen, we weren't just practicing a few little human antics a moment ago, Amen. But we were stepping into a heavenly realm, Amen. I believe tonight, my God, Hallelujah, Amen. I believe as they as we laid hands on the sick, that the Spirit of the Lord began to minister healing and health and strength. And I believe as we begin to pray for that prayer call, God understands the need, Amen. and we bound some things and we release some things. So we are not just human dwellers but we are walking in the dimension of the Spirit of God even on this Wednesday evening and so we should not ever discount what's gonna happen when we walk in the door of, any t- of this assembly at any time. Let's just magnify We're not just earth dwellers. Amen. It's it's easy to see earthly things. A little more challenging to see spiritual things. But we must see them if we are going to realize our full potential in the Lord. So I'll tell you this evening to every mom and dad who has the practice of praying for your children as you put them to bed this evening. Don't ever doubt that just because the lightning didn't streak across the sky... Or you didn't feel the earth rumble beneath your home when you prayed. Don't ever doubt that an angel wasn't standing right there. Amen. To hear your cry. My Lord have mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost in what we're talking about here this evening. Amen. Because we are what we are in him. Praise God. Praise God. It is very important that we see our potential in the Lord. and Despite the fact that we're dealing with all the problems that we face on earth Despite that, (laughs) which in fact is a point of it all. If I see myself dwelling with Christ, it makes all the difference in how I see myself or how I measure my self-worth. And that's why Paul reminds us that we have a new identity in Him and that we should never see ourselves apart from Him. We're not trying to have church by ourselves. Amen. I'm not that foolish. You're not that foolish to try to let's just do this ourselves and see if we can pick this up. Amen. We've got to have and see ourselves as in Him together with Him. In order for us to appreciate, I think, our new identity, we have to really work on our focus and what is the focus. We've got to learn to consecrate our attention on eternal realities. And if we just look at a few things we identify with or allow those things to define us, if we look at those things, we can realize that too often we focus on the wrong thing. We live in a world, um, we live in a society where often the focus is on money, on money. And we allow money to define who we are or we allow money to define who we are. And there's a long list. We define also who we are, what we are on material things. The kind of house we live in, the kind of car that we drive, the neighborhood in which we live, those things help many times on earth define certain images. The kind of work we do defines us as well. We identify ourselves by what we do to provide a living for ourselves and for our families. And, and Now, that may be what we do, but there's a larger question that demands an answer. This may be what I do, but the, the real question is, is this who I really am? <laughs> because I believe that God calls people to certain vocations. And this may be what you do for a living, but that may not be who you are. You may be much more than just that. Much more than just that. For some, family heritage is important. For others, it's a level of, the, the level of education that is attained. And all of these become markers. And, and there's nothing evil about any one of those things as long as we realize that this is not who we are. This doesn't define the sum total, at least I should say, of who we are. Even our associations at times and, and their level of importance. Who we associate, the level of importance of the people that we associate with can often be used to define who we are to ourselves or we identify our level of importance by who we associate with. And if we allow these things to define us, then I'm going to tell you that we should not. That is not the measure of all things because the car you drive will one day be worthless. The home you live in will one day be worthless. It can, with left unattended, the finest of homes will fall down around you. Amen. The problem with all these things is that they're not secure. They're just here now. They're just here for now. None of these earthly things are going to last. They're all temporary. Amen. And in and, and, and our investments, they can and they do fail. Anybody here invested in anything that failed? I believe there's more than just those no scant handful. I think we need to have an altar call right now. That's what I think. Amen. We've invested in things we thought were going to work. Amen. We 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 put a little money here, a little money there. We thought this would work out, pan out. It didn't pan out. I see. I need to move along here. Amen. Everything we have is temporary, and that's why we need an eternal hope. Amen, we need a hope that takes us beyond here and now. This world is not my home. We really are just passing through. Our treasures truly are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We need to reach back and get a hold of what that generation had. Amen, to realize that if I don't have it down here, I'm going to have it over there. Hallelujah. What I I miss here, I'm going to get there. Praise the Lord. We need an eternal hope. The other problem with all these things is that they that they really at the bottom at the end of the day and the bottom line is that all of these things never truly fulfill us. I'm a little bit scared to ask for audience participation, but here I go but have you ever just bought that certain something that you wanted only to realize it's just not everything you thought it was going to be. If I could get that truck, that car, that pair of shoes, that, 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 that. And I'm not saying we were disgusted with it. But it just didn't fulfill like we thought it was going to fulfill. Amen. You're a little tired about this stuff tonight. I don't really know. What. I don't really know. I have no agenda. I'm not up to anything. I'm really not. But, but uh But it doesn't really give us what we think it's going to at the end of the day. We get that new set of tires. We get this, you know, that, 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 and that's this, and this. And then all of a sudden, it just leaves a little lack at the end, a little wanting at the end. It's just not there. They do give us some measure of pleasure. Amen. But ultimately, it's not the, the ultimate fulfillment that provides security and peace. It's just not all of that. You see... We can have all of those things and more. But here's the bottom line. It's just window dressing. There's really nothing behind it. There's really nothing there. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I, I want to say, I, give me room to be wrong about this. But I think it was in Seoul, Korea many years ago that held one of the Olympics. And, um, and from the river, from the river bank. All of these hotels and all just looked like billions of dollars that had been spent. And come to find out, it was all just a facade. It was just fronts. I see some of you nodding your head, so I must be, at least it happened in this world, right? <laughs> somewhere. somewhere. And so it was all just for television. It was all just for the world to view and say, oh, look. But there was nothing to it. It wasn't real. It was just a front. It was a fake. It was, a, it was a, a facade, just window dressing. You see, you can get all of the trappings of life. But here's the problem. Underneath all of that, the real you is still there. And so whatever we thought was going to really gratify and satisfy is not going to because the real us is there. And in the absence of God, no matter what we have, It's just window dressing. And so we have to discover who we are. And we've been made part of the family of God. And I just think that is such a wonderful thing. And I don't know how I could try to define that. Amen. But I I just thank God. Our Father which art in heaven. Our Father. Amen. Our Father. That means I'm not alone and I'm in a family. I have a Father. And when I look around and I see the family of God and I see it on display, I'm so encouraged because we've been made a part of the family of God. Amen. That means we have privileges and promises that are affected on His behalf. And that means that God understands us and knows us. And our text says that we are hidden with Him. In other words, something has happened to us spiritually in the spiritual dimension of our lives that has placed us in Christ Therefore, we, our, our, our identity is in him. And all through this journey that we call this earthly existence, we have him with us. And we do this in light of our heavenly citizenship. And I'm saying it again, this world is not our home. We always need to see ourselves as joined with Christ. And we should never see ourselves as apart from him and, and because of this, we are exhorted to seek him. And that's why Paul says that twice in these first four verses of chapter 3, two times Paul refers to this, that we are to seek for things above. And then he later says we are to set our affections on things above. Don't just look here in this world. In other words, we should concentrate our attention on heavenly, not hopes, but heavenly realities Don't simply look at what's happening around us because if we do, we'll miss the big picture. That's what happened to the servant of Elisha. He just looked on the things that were around him and he missed a whole other heavenly world that was taking place at the exact same time. Amen. I want to set my gaze on things that won't pass away, things that are eternal. And the the call is to seek the Lord with all of my heart and with all of my mind, to actively and earnestly seek for him. And so what are these things? That we're seeking for I believe the Bible is full of answers for that I think there are many spiritual blessings Spiritual blessings that enabled us to live a life That is characterized by the word of God By his nature and by his power I think of many passages that we could insert here But perhaps one that we can all relate to Would be at Galatians 5 Where the Lord talks about the fruit of the spirit And I think one of the things that we realize When we understand who we are One of the things that begins to bear fruit or should in us is that love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and kindness. Those things are just the tip of the iceberg of things that we have because of Him. We could also include blessings that we have from him that come to us as a, as a direct, an end result of our relationship with the Lord by spending time with him and his word and prayer. Each and every day, we begin to realize a little bit more about who he is and what he is. We develop a strong sense of communion with him in prayer and God just begins to remind us of certain things. I'm always encouraged. I'm just gonna be honest with you that every morning when I pray, God is not there with a brand new revelation. But I sure appreciate those moments that he just opens my eyes and lets me see something. The other morning, I've quoted a scripture many times here and talked about it a lot at home. And the other morning, when my wife and I were talking, I said, I just need to share with you something that the Lord showed me this morning when I was praying. And I mentioned this verse of Scripture, and it's not really important to get into tonight, but I'm just thankful that while I was praying, the Lord just had to help me see that through a different prism, a different light. I've never thought about it that way. I always prayed about it one way and thought about it one way, and it's like the Lord said, hey, let me show you something. Amen. I, let me show you something over here. Just think about it this way. And I was encouraged by that. Amen. It it made me realize who we are in Him. And by doing so, we began to reflect then the character that God God has put in us we begin to act like him in a spiritual sense we begin to focus on his grace and on his mercy there's not a parent in this house that can't tell sometimes when your children have been around certain people amen certain influences not always to the bad but certain influences to the good you can just tell when somebody has been around them or they've been around someone and that begins to reflect in them. It begins to reflect in their attitude and begins to reflect. And so if we are with the Lord, it ought to reflect in who we are and how we act. Amen. As we focus on his love and humility, I think that we should become more loving and more humble ourselves. We should allow that interconnectedness to define us. And we identify with him and he with us. And having that identity has the potential to change who we are and how we see things. Christ has also identified with us that even when he returns, we will be with him. That's what the scripture says. When he comes again in glory, we will appear with him in glory. Not only does he include us here in this life, but he's also going to include us in the ultimate victory. We are with him, one with him. Amen. Well-known author Warren Wiersbe says something that in many ways summarizes what we're talking about. And I'll use this as summary tonight. He said while attending, <clears throat> while attending a convention in Washington, D.C., he checked into his hotel room, he walked in, turned on the television, and he watched a little portion. This was long ago. But he watched a little portion of the Senate committee hearing. He said that they were considering the ambassador, a new ambassador to the United States. And so... To date this somewhat, the late Senator Hubert Humphrey stood and said this You must remember that in politics, how you stand depends on where you sit. How you stand depends on where you sit. Now, this senator was referring, of course, to the political party seating arrangement in the Senate. He said, "How you? How uh, he said, you got to remember how you stand depends on where you sit." Warren Weersby said, "I immediately could not help but to apply that to my position in Christ. How I stand and how I walk depends on where I sit." Amen. I am seated with Christ, is what the Bible says in the heavenlies, and so how I stand depends on where I sit we are seated with him in a place that is above all else on the earth we are seated with Christ in a place above the earth and Jesus has received us to himself and holds us close to himself providing for our every need I'm going to ask you to stand musicians you can just stay if you'd like I close with these words of Sir Francis Drake who I think captures it best In some closing remarks of a sermon preached long ago, he said this Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, and when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, O God. Disturb us, O Lord. When the abundance of things we possessed, we have, when, in the, with the, when in the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we cease to dream of eternity, and in the efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heavenly home to grow dim. Finally, he said, "Disturb us, O Lord, to dare more boldly." To venture on wider seas where storms will just do nothing less than show us your mastery. Where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hope and to push us into the future with your strength and with your courage and with your hope and with your love. Disturb us, O Lord. That grabbed my heart when I read that. Bother us, God, when we think we've been victorious only because we planned small. Think, disturb us, oh God, when we say we've arrived safely at shore, when we just pushed a little bit away from the dock to begin with. Disturb us, bother us, trouble us, God. Amen. And Help us to understand that in the storms, that's where we see your mastery. In the storms, that's where we see your hand. And that's where we see the fulfillment of your promises. I said it a few weeks ago, but it was in the storm that the Apostle Paul said, an angel has stood by me, not last month before it started raining. Amen. An angel didn't stand by me six months ago when everything was well, but an angel stood by me tonight in this storm. And he promised me, in this storm, it's going to be all right. And in this storm, they were able to see the mastery, of God. Amen. Who we are. Who we are in him. I'm thankful tonight. I'm, I'm not trying to impregnate us with arrogance or, or with some pompous attitude. No, no, no. Nothing can be further from the truth. But I pray, oh Lord, help us spiritually. Help us spiritually to see the power of the God that is at work in our lives. Who we are in him. Not in us. In him. Amen. He loves us. I love you today, God. And I thank you for the privilege we have had to spend time in your word.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic